Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. This week, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Andrew Krapischetz, who is the founder and CEO of Red Balloon. Red Balloon exists to connect employers who value freedom with employees who value it also. They envision a world beyond cancel culture where employees are free to work without fear that they will find themselves on the wrong side of their employer's politics. If you want to know more about Red Balloon, you can find them at redballoon.work. One particular canon title that came into mind as I spoke with Andrew was Douglas Wilson's Productivity. In that book, Douglas Wilson both considers the theology behind technology, work, and mission, and advice on how to be productive, and to think about productivity in the digital age. You can find that book at mycanonplus.com, along with a catalog of other very helpful books. Join the mission, help out Canon Press by signing up at mycanonplus.com. Without further ado, meet Andrew Krapischetz. Okay, now welcoming on Andrew Krapschutz, founder and CEO of Red Balloon, also the visionary of Pronoun Landmine, a new game about the explosive modern workplace. Andrew, welcome to Canon Calls. You know, any day that I'm talking to you, Jake, is a good, is a good day. <laughs> that means a lot. Yeah. That means a lot. Yeah, and it's true. Thank you. Well, can, uh, so CEO, founder of Red Balloon. Yep. What else? What else would you want people to know about you as we endeavor into this conversation? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things uh, you need to know is everyone thought I had a significant learning disability until I was six. (laughs) And I was actually kicked out of a Christian school in California. um, And they were going to send me with... uh, uh, with the the kids that had uh, learning disabilities. Okay. And so I was kicked out of school and mom said, no, he gets jokes. So there's something going on up there, even <laughs> if it's hard to find. And so I was homeschooled. Okay. Uh, I was an early adopter of homeschool when it wasn't cool in California because right. I'm uh, 44 now. So okay. call it almost 40 years ago. Wow. Was a homeschooler in California. We actually had drills in our house of what happens when CPS in California shows up because we weren't in the public school system, right? Wow. Um, and so we we had a whole drill. I had an amazing treehouse that I'd built, and there you go. So that's how I started this. <laughs> Is there an alarm? Was there like a bell? Was there? No, there was just there was like we actually did a drill because okay. uh, uh, we knew other families where CPS would show wow. up and be like, "Hey, your kids aren't in school," and be like, "No, we're homeschooled." Um, and so. Part of the reason we're in Idaho now is things like that. California is a hot mess. But I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. Um, at 16, I realized that I didn't like paying for school. I'd really rather be paid to work um, because the money was going the correct direction. Yeah. And so I uh, got a job as a warehouse guy at a dot-com in the Bay Area and was very blessed because it was a fast-growing company, which meant there's lots of opportunities if you want to grab them. So within six months, I was running the warehouse and I had an opportunity to have a team of people who were largely minorities and couldn't speak a lot of English and we had a really good time together. Uh, Then the company bought another company and I saw this as an opportunity because the company that was purchased had software that none of our sales or engineers knew. And so I thought, I am now on a, li- uh, a level playing field 
with everybody else at the company because nobody else knows how to use this software. And so if I'm willing to work as many hours as I can stay awake and learn this stuff, I will be an opportunity. So at 18, uh, I went to the training manager for the company um, as we were supposed to be teaching this software around the country. And I said, look, I know the software better than I was. It was 3D CAD, 3D modeling. Okay. So computer automated um, design is what CAD stands for. And basically, how do you model something in 3D like a hairdryer or a computer chip or whatever? Um, and so I went to the training manager and said, look, I know the software better than anyone, and I will go around the country and teach this for you. And he says, well, uh, nobody else is willing to, so sure, it's yours. So I started traveling at 18 years old, and real, real I quick, couldn't shave yet. At which 16, is what school were you paying for? Oh, we were. I was going to a Christian high school because um, I had so been homeschooled. Right, I finally, I finally, okay. yeah, right. made the leap back in. Good question. <laughs> yeah, good question. Okay. Uh, so I was at a Christian high school. My uncle had started, but Got I was it. only playing sports, doing math, and public speaking because mom tapped out on math uh, at about algebra two. Okay. So I was uh, doing the hu the heavy lifting okay. at a public at, at a Christian school. Okay. So, Sorry. All right. So no. you. That you stopped paying for that. I stopped paying for that. You did. Right. And no, we're like, okay. fine, great. I'm going to go it. start earning. So, technically, my wife is Dr. Crappy Shets and I'm sub GED Crappy Shets. So, okay. we'll get back to that <laughs> in, a, in a minute. So, I started traveling when yeah. I was 18, started teaching these classes all over the country. It was really fun, great learning experience, had a lot of mentors through that process. Around this time, the company got $32 million of venture capital money, um, which took us from a sleepy little successful CAD company to we're going to be a dot com and we're going to have a budget that loses $6 million a year and instead lose $8 million a year. What year is this, by the way? This is 1997. So dot coms so, would have yeah, been Yeah, like, dot com, is... it, was, it was hot business. Yeah. And I was in uh, Mountain View and Sunnyvale and right in the middle of that all, all that wow. stuff. So uh, at that point, basically, my traveling life went nuts. Um, so by the time I turned 21... I was running a team of sales engineers for this company in the Bay Area, and I was responsible for the West Coast and Asia. So I turned 21 on an expense account. When you have VC money, like you go out with Japanese businessmen, like, do you want to play golf? Sure. I mean, I don't even know what the green fees were. And you want to go to dinner? Well, let's have a $300 bottle of wine because why not? Right. right? And so uh, that's how I turned 21. It was wow. wild. I did do, go to karaoke bars under streets in Tokyo. Um, and, but that's not what we're talking about today, but there's some crazy <laughs> stories I will tell you, especially as a homeschool kid yeah. who'd never really been out in the world too much. Um, I, it was eye-opening, um, uh, but I did avoid sin. Good. So can you talk about that? I guess, like, I, I didn't even, <laughs> why would you have done that at 20 years old or 20, 21 years old? Yes. Yeah, like, so, so we had a reseller in Tokyo, um, and they were reselling our software, yeah. um, all over Japan. And so I would go for two weeks, I would train all of their salespeople and all of their engineers on how to run the software. And basically to give you a, so I spent two weeks in Tokyo, we would start at seven in the morning in suit and tie, and we would work until seven at night. Then we would go to dinner. Then we would go to the karaoke bar until about 11 or midnight. Are karaoke bars in Tokyo, underground Tokyo, the same as karaoke bars Yes, here? Um, when I'm sitting there and we went to this one that they loved going to and everybody had their own liquor locker, right? So you would have, this is my locker where I keep my own liquor and I don't want to share with other people. And okay. it was fancy sake or whatever, yeah. right? So I go to this one and 
if you didn't have a date, they would provide a date for you, um, which freaked me out. And so I get into this karaoke bar under the streets. It's under the highway in Tokyo. So you like go into this little spot and I'm sitting next to this poor little Japanese girl, um, nothing inappropriate happening, but she's trying to make me feel comfortable, but doesn't know a lot of English. And I'm this homeschool white guy. And I'm like, oh my word, if I talk to her, I don't know what will happen next. So I won't. So I just stood there. And then over in the corner was the CEO of this company I was working with. The East Coast girls are hip. I really... He didn't even know English very well, but he loved the Beach Boys. And so I'm like, what world am I living in? So was this was crazy to you. This, this it, completely this crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then after all these meetings at midnight or 11, somewhere in that range, I would run down to the 24-hour Haagen-Dazs stand and get something to just settle the stomach because I love sushi, but sushi for three meals a day plus sure. all these other things sure. was uh, crazy. So even just why, but at 21, at 2021, who are you? What kind of person are you that like you could abstain from sin? I guess right. like I, I imagine no parent listening would think like, oh, this is a good I idea. Try my kid on that. Right. Even though they're a good kid. I'm <laughs> right. Why would I risk it? It seems like a really bad idea. And let's <laughs> it be honest, like a really bad <laughs> it, it, it is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it seems that way because, yeah, because it, is it really, really is. Right. Uh, and God was kind to me um, in that I had a very strong family culture. Um, reading our Bible was something I remember when I went to my when I turned 16, I went to my mom and I said, look, I know that I am not wise. How do I get wise? Because I saw people that are wise. I'm like, I want to be that. And she's like, well, dummy, read your Bible every single day and be diligent about your prayer life. Like, that's it. Straightforward. I'm like, oh, okay, great. I'll do that. Um, and as a fairly systematic person, I'm like, well, tell me what to do. I'm going to go knock that out. So, sure. um, so that was part of the routine in Tokyo was I know that I'm in a position where um, there are plenty of opportunities for sin. Right. Yep. Um, when when one of the Japanese businessmen offered me his daughter, he's like, hey, she'd be a great wife. And I'd be like, so no, in every other any way you can imagine. Sure. sure, sure. Um, it's it's because uh, God's grace yep. is uh, even I would not recommend this situation to people. Yes. But God was kind um, and I made it through um, largely unscathed. Now, how in the world do you go from that trip? Yeah to Moscow, Idaho. Yeah, what am I doing here anyway? Yeah. Legitimate question. So um, at we, I remember I was helping to coordinate the Billy Graham crusade for um, our, uh, for the San Jose area. Um, and this is probably around 1999 or so. Okay. Um, he was coming to the Bay Area and our church was kind of leading up a, a pod of churches okay. that were focused on getting the volunteers there. And I was Again, this is where like, hmm, really, is it wise to have a kid like me doing this? Um, but I was teaching the class on how to witness to people and how to do all this stuff. Well, a friend had given me a John Piper book um, at the same time, and I started to read it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, <gasps> I don't believe what I'm teaching. This is a problem, right? Right yeah. in the middle of the yeah. class. It really struck yeah. me. So that was a lot of upheaval. Ended up leaving the church because they were... Um, well, I went to the elders and I said, hey, I really need to understand this Romans. Like, there's a lot of stuff here in Romans that we never talk about what's going on here. And they encouraged me to go find another church that did want to talk about it. So, ta-da. So, I went to an OPC church in San Francisco. Okay. Um, and it's funny because we're in Moscow, Idaho, and we talk about intolerances and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Chuck, Chuck McElhaney, who was the pastor there, 
spoke out against homosexuality. Well, in San Francisco, that is frowned upon by a lot of people. <laughs> I've heard. And we literally f- fought through picket lines every Sunday morning to get into church. Whoa. And he had his house firebombed. So he built a, a room right in the middle of their living room for his two daughters so that nobody could climb in their windows and do anything bad, right? This is a like in San Francisco, right? And if you haven't been through San Francisco on Gay Pride Day, you have no idea how dark and debauched that whole lifestyle is. Um, it's just, it's terrible. Yeah. So anyway, so we're doing all this stuff and we started getting sermon tapes um, back when sermon tapes were a thing yep. from here in Moscow and thought, you know, we don't have a lot of community because we lived 45 minutes away from the church. Why don't we just move to Moscow? Can you tell me who we is at this point? Oh, right. My uh, older sister, younger brother, and parents. Okay. Um, and so we moved up here in 1999, right before Y2K. Funny story, not related, but my dad <laughs> and I had to be in the Bay Area for Y2K okay. because our companies were requiring it because we still worked for the Bay Area companies. And so I was super excited because I thought, if this is the end of the world, um, so we drove down um, and I had guns, gold, and gas in the car. And I was hoping that the whole world was going to fall apart and we were going to Mad Max our way back. It was going to be unbelievable. I might have even gotten a tattoo. Guns, gold, gold, and gas. gas. Like, I'm like, I figured out a way to make it all the yeah. way back. It was going to be Mad Max. It yeah. was going to be unbelievable. Nothing happened and we drove back. Boringest drive of my life. Yeah. So. Um, stinks, like <laughs> super stinks, right? Yeah. So then the Bay Area, so we'd moved up here at this point. The Bay Area company I was working for ran out of that $32 million of VC money. And it's funny, when you waste it, it goes away eventually. So we're here. I look around. I say, look, uh, we don't have a lot of great jobs in this community here in Moscow. And this is 22 years ago. So okay. half my life ago. Yeah. Um, and God has blessed me with skills and ability. I should use those to bless other people. So um, I teamed up with two economists at uh, U of I. And our goal, our original business goal was 50 people earning over 50,000 a year in Moscow, Idaho. So how do we have 50 over 50? Because we thought that would actually move the needle. At on the, the time, economy. if you could guess like where Moscow is at, how many companies could be doing something like that in Moscow? Zero. Zero. Right. You had the U of I, you had Walmart and Gritman. Those were your big businesses, right? There just weren't a lot of opportunities. You did have SEL kind of growing over in Pullman, but a lot of people didn't know about okay. them. Um, but there weren't lots of opportunities for someone to go to NSA and stay in town and have a great job. Okay. NSA was a target for you. Was that, is it, was it a target for you at all? Um, you yeah, thought about it? absolutely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. No, I saw, you know, people who were going to college there and then really had to leave if they wanted to support a family, right? right? Unless they wanted to go work for the U of I or Gritman or okay. Walmart. So right? the 50, 50. 50 at 50. Uh, goal. Yep. How did, what, what happened with that? Well, it's a terrible business goal to have a goal around spending money. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> yeah. you have to earn money before you spend it. That's a, okay. Yeah. You, unless you're the government, then you can do whatever you then want. You, so, um, so it is tax season. 50 and like. 50. Like there was a moment when I had a $100,000 payroll that was due in like two weeks and I had $10,000 in the bank. Wow. And that's a terrifying position. When you're like, how am I going to talk to everybody about, hey, guess what? That whole paycheck thing, not going to happen. God was kind and the checks came in in order to make that payroll. Um, but I thought I would like to never be in this position ever again. Did that happen once? It happened one time. Wow. And so it is super terrifying. And so then we brought a little more uh, business discipline, not just hiring people and paying them. Um, okay. 
right? Probably sure. a good idea. Sure. So uh, still, uh, over the years at that company, I hired over 600 people. Uh, we generated many, many millions of dollars. We have a lot of people that were able to pay their house off due to various company sales. And so God was very kind and gracious, despite my stupidity uh, <laughs> through that process. Sure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Now, Red Balloon is your latest venture. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah. Uh, so basically, nine months ago, the uh, my board decided I was a little too conservative and Christian for their liking. Okay. Um, and I was, we'll call it unapologetically conservative Christian, okay. uh, which is uh, doesn't play uh, in the same way, especially if you're the CEO, right? If you're in different positions, you may have less influence, but as a CEO, um, that was just something they weren't excited about. So nine months ago, I found myself delightfully unemployed. Okay. And my plan was to take a whole year off because I have a housing development I'm doing here in town. I've got a couple okay. of commercial buildings and have plenty to do. Uh, but a friend was like, hey, you should start a job board in Moscow so that if Christians want a job, they know where they can go and find one, right? Sure, no problem. Uh, technology's fun. And so create a job board, ta-da. And then I just assumed it'd be on autopilot. I created some videos so people would know about it uh, and then tried to just ignore it. And I start getting these letters from people all over the country, from Atlanta, from Minneapolis, from Florida saying, hey, when's Red Balloon coming to our community? And my answer was always, it's not. It's a Moscow job board. Please leave me alone. Yeah. Um, but after a, a little over a month of kind of digging in my heels and saying, look, this is not what I'm doing. I've got, you know, this real estate stuff I'm doing. Uh, it was clear to me um, and it was clear to my wife before it was clear to me that this is what God had put in front of me. And it was something that we needed to do. And uh, my sweet wife, who is a wonderful person, um, pointed out to me that our bank account is not our bank account. It's God's bank account. And if we can use our resources to bless people around the country, then we should do that and not just, um, you know, do whatever we're comfortable with. Sure. And so redballoon.work, it's called Red Balloon because if you've ever been on a hot air balloon, it's a little bit terrifying and a lot bit fun, kind of like looking for a new job. Okay. And if you, uh, and people are traveling to red parts uh, of the yeah. country, yeah. right? Red states or red regions and blue states. Yeah. Um, they're looking for freedom. They're looking for places where they can raise their family and not have the wokeness jammed down their throat. Yeah. So what do you find? What are the nature of, of people that are that come to you? What are they dealing with in the work environment? Oh, it is crazy. I talked to a lady uh, who will remain nameless. I think I can tell her company, Microsoft. You may have heard of it. So she used to have her Microsoft background be an American flag. And her manager came to her and said, you know, that's a little bit white supremacy. We're going to ask you to take that down. But then she gets on another uh, team's call and the background for this person is a black person being lynched. And it says underneath, a good man is dying today at your hands. <laughs> and not only was that background tolerated, it was celebrated. People are like, oh, thank you for your reminding us of how wicked we are because we're white. Right? So like, we have no idea. I talked to a lady at Deloitte and she's like, I just finished two hours of CRT training, basically being told I was uh, wicked and white and it was terrible and had nothing to do with anything I'd actually done. Just the fact of who my parents are is why I was wicked, right? And, and this is Deloitte as in just the as financial in company? The, yeah, Deloitte, right? Yeah, yeah, that Deloitte. <laughs> I mean, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, as in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, but I mean, but, and, and then the manager gets up and says, you know, I wish all those unvaccinated people would just go to an island together and die. 
right? So this is Americans saying this to each other. And so, but what's interesting is the lady had heard about Red Balloon like a week earlier. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to be brave and it cost me my job. I'm going to go find a job on Red Balloon. It'll probably be better anyway. Yeah. Um, And so she raised her hand and said, hey, by the way, I'm never going to get the vaccine. And like the room's dead silent at this point. But then two other people raise their hand and say, yeah, neither am I. Right. And I think the lesson is uh, conservatives are the largest ideological group in America, but we're the least likely to say anything. And when conservatives and Christians stand up and speak their mind and live their values, you are providing courage to someone else. When you're brave, you're, you're, you're giving someone else courage. And so that's really the thesis around Red Balloon. How do we make a place where conservatives know that if I speak my mind at work, I can go find a job with a company that will respect my values. Is there a fun story behind Red Balloon Anonymous or on Anonymous Balloon? Sorry. Anonymous Balloon. Yes. Yeah, we've got a couple of companies um, which will remain anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of companies that are like, look, we absolutely want to hire people off here. We will fully commit that we will not require vaccination, that we will respect their values. Yeah. Um, we're Some of them are even Christians, but they know that it will cost them a significant portion of their customer base if they align with a conservative brand like Red Balloon. Yeah. Right. So, um, oh, and the last thing, redballoon.work. It's called dot work because com sounds like communists. <laughs> this is how far we check out. Yes. As far as Red Balloon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every <laughs> I is dotted. Every I yeah. is dotted. Redballoon.work, <laughs> yeah. not dot com. Right. That's where the communists go. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You're okay. welcome. So, can you, so one thing, can you talk about just your clientele is not only the business side, but yep. also people looking for work? Yeah. No, th- so this is what's fun. So not only have, you know, the, the company that I spoke about earlier, I, I got to start and run that for a long time. I started a number of other businesses. I've invested in businesses. Yep. I've helped businesses grow from nothing to exits. Um, I've actually been part of six business exits over the years, um, selling it to various organizations, which is um, a great experience, except you do lose control every time you get a big check. So but that's is this how you might find yourself being too Christian? And, that and might, in fact, be how you get yourself <laughs> in that position. So um, there you go. So, but I have never been part of a business before where I get unsolicited thank you notes from perfect strangers every day, right? Uh, a guy wrote me. He was with IBM for ten years, and he's like, they hated my worldview, they hated the way I thought, um, and they only tolerated me because I made them a ton of money. I found a job on Red Balloon and it was so clear that God was working in my family's life. He says, you cannot imagine how much more healthy my family is because I got a job with a conservative who lets me do great work for them and then go home and love my family, right? And I think a lot of people have gotten to the point where they're just kind of trying to keep their head down. They're trying to receive that six-figure paycheck and not realizing that they're having the joy sapped out of work. And God gave us work, right? The Dominion mandate, we should be working. We should be working really hard. But when you're doing this for someone who hates your worldview, you probably need to look around and figure out, is this what you should be doing? You were mentioning too about conservatives being the largest body ideologically, most likely. Yep. There's also what I imagine is cool about Red Balloon is I think conservatives can have the imaginative capacity of just which not having one, which of just like I'm just gonna get my paycheck. Right. Probably they probably run everything, but I bet my my guess is people's experience with Red Balloon is they found an equally great job. Yeah, 
a lot of opportunities. Yeah. In fact, it, probably a better job. Sometimes people are earning more money through, uh, you know, like, oh, wow. Like we are in a historically tight labor market right now. Yep. You know, another story, I was at a conference and this couple comes up to me and, you know, and I'm like, hi, I'm Andrew. They're like, we know. <laughs> um, and, and they said, he said, I've been working for a company that hated my worldview for the last 10 years. And I've been wearing a mask at work. Um, and they were about to start to hand down vaccination mandates and they were putting us through CRE, CRT training and yep. DRI and all the, you know, alphabet soup of nastiness. Yep. He said, so I go on red and he was in Dallas. He went on red balloon. He found a new job with a Christian company. And at this moment, his wife just gives me this bear hug. And she says, you have changed the trajectory of our family because, um, he is earning a little bit more money. But he is coming home deeply satisfied, and our relationship and our marriage is better. Our uh, relationships with our kids is better because, and this is what people don't realize: when you're just trying to grin and bear it at a terrible work environment, um, it is slopping into every other aspect of your life, and you have no idea how satisfying it is. And I've also talked to other people who said, "Look, I took a big pay cut, and it was worth every single penny because I would rather have baked potatoes and." Peace, yeah. right? Yeah. And Proverbs talks about that, right? Better yeah. to have, um, you don't want to have feasting in the house of a wicked man. You want to have um, simplicity and joy in heart. And that's what people are finding on Red Balloon. We've had uh, over 1,800 employers have signed up on Red okay. Balloon and they have to all sign a pledge that says, uh, I believe the Constitution still matters and yeah. applies to everybody. Um, and I'm going to respect the freedom of my employees. I'm going to not require a vaccination. Um, but more importantly, I'm going to let them actually have their own opinions, right? Yep. And we've had over 700,000 people on Red Balloon looking for freedom in the six months wow. that we've been doing this. So it's clear to me that uh, freedom is still in demand in America. And I think more conservatives need to stand up and be counted. And if they do, um, there's more on our side and we should win. Certainly still a pain point. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last thing on Red Balloon, and I wanted to get to this because... We hinted it at the beginning, and those who have waited for the pronoun landmine. <laughs> pronoun game. landmine, huge. Can you tell us about it? <laughs> it's the biggest. <laughs> it's not allowed in China, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, pronoun landmine. Yeah, true story. Basically, one of the employees that now works for me at Red Balloon, yeah. he was a GE Health, huge company, right? Okay. And he basically told his kids every night, like, hey, daddy's making a ton of money. Um, and, um, and I actually like my job, but at some point I'm going to step on a pronoun landmine at work and I will lose my job because you are simply, that is a sacred cow that you are not allowed to step on. Um, and I know people who have lost their jobs at companies like Amazon yep. where they didn't use the right pronoun. They didn't pronounce the pronoun correctly. They refused to use a pronoun and it cost them their job. Like we have no idea how wicked a lot of these corporations are. So his 14 year old son thought that was a interesting story and he should do something about it. So uh, Ezra actually wrote the entire video game as a uh, thanks for hiring my dad at Red Balloon. <laughs> uh, and in Pronoun Landmine, it's not a complicated game, but sure. you basically need to avoid the pronouns and the Wuhan bats that might get you. And there's an HR review on occasion. And yeah. here's the tricky part. If you get a promotion, so the farther you get, you get promotions, you make more money, yeah. right? Um, which is how it works. Yeah. And then you get to a hiring decision. Ah, you're a manager now. And you need to hire A, B, or C, a white person, a black person, or I'd like more information. Right. 
and you know what the right answer is. You'd like more information. Yeah, and that's how you get fired in the game. Because <laughs> any normal person yes. would be like, well, I need more information than just their skin <laughs> color. sufficient. But in yeah. corporate America today, actually, that is sufficient. Right. Honestly. Right. Uh, and so, that's we're trying to poke fun at sure. what's sure. going on there. Uh, we have had contests on it. Uh, it was fun though. We had over a thousand people play the stupid game okay. in the first hour. <laughs> it was awesome. So if you go to Prime on Landmines, if you do poorly, you're probably doing well. Yes. If you do really well, it means you uh, know how to play the corporate game. Right. Which, yeah, maybe somebody might play to get. Yeah. No, I've done very to well. Start Red balloons. I've got no. Yeah, I've gotten over six thousand uh, dollars on the uh, <laughs> on the on on the game. I can do very well. You can maneuver this stuff. Uh, but this is a moment when Christians need to realize what's going on in the world and they need to stand up and be counted. Uh, because if you just try and keep your head down, you try and build your bunkers, um, it's time to raise the pirate flag, right? You are, um, you are not the only one who thinks the way you do. You're not alone. There's employers out there that would like to hire you. We're in a very tight labor market. And what's the worst case scenario, right? I lose my job because I stood up for Christ at work. And then I get to go home to my family and if I've got the right family and I've raised them the right way. So my wife gave me a bottle of 42 year old scotch for losing my job because she was so proud of me. Right? Very awesome. Right? But that's the way that we should be thinking about yeah. it. Um, because uh, if you lose your job, but you're doing it in the right ways, God will bless that. And the blessing may not look like a huge paycheck right away, but it will look like you being blessed in lots of ways you can't even imagine. That is awesome. That is awesome. Andrew, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me and have a wonderful day. Cheers. Bye.